Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 193 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Megan Smythe, and we're talking all about copywriting for authors. But first, to last week's question, which was, what topic is your craft catnip? Heather Button said, I like going back to the why of storytelling. Um, So books like Lisa Cron's Wired for Story have me going back for rereads because it triggers my why for writing when I'm in a funk. And I love that. The why for writing is super important as I think it helps keep us uh, grounded in joy and writing for joy. So this week's question is, what are you reading right now? I am really in a deficit of reading, which is one of the reasons I'm super excited um, that we have a family holiday in July this year because I'm going to, you know, sit on my ass and... (laughs) keep my face pinned to my Kindle device so that uh, I finally get to devour some many books and refill my uh, creative uh, well with some well-earned input. Uh, So yeah, that is why this week's question is, what are you reading right now? And following on from that, because I have not been reading um, anywhere near enough, (laughs) uh, I don't have a book recommendation for you this week. I have a TV show recommendation. So the TV recommendation this week is The Ultimatum, which is a Netflix show. It's sort of like docu-reality, so half documentary, half reality show. And it is a bit like Too Hot to Handle or like Love Island or Love is Blind, any of those sort of romantic uh, reality documentary type TV shows. Uh, Only the difference is that this one is full of queer women, uh, which is fantastic because I, I absolutely... Yes, it is utterly the competition in me that loves a competition slash reality slash X Factor slash America slash Britain's Got Talent type TV show. I'm a complete sucker for them because they give me energy pennies. Um, But I have never seen a show like that with somebody like me in it. So it is absolutely freaking delightful to be able to see a TV show with queer women in it uh, like this. So I've been really loving it and binging it and... So I highly recommend that you all go and uh, take a look and watch it if you enjoy those kinds of reality shows. So in personal news and updates then, uh, it is now June. Holy freaking moly. I cannot believe that we are halfway through this year. Like, what the actual fuck? Um, This month, book two releases in the Girl Games series. I swear to God, I feel like I was only just saying that book one was coming out like the other day, but book book two is going out. It is with advanced readers and they are loving it. I am so freaking happy because I love this book and I am so excited. It is a second chance romance. It is spicy. It is um, snarky and it has a then and now timeline. Anyway, the point is it comes out on June the 22nd and you can pre-order it now. I am hoping that the paperback pre-orders are live by the time this airs. I would, if you are after a paperback copy, I would check because I am desperately trying to get them through. I have already ordered pre, uh, pre-order pre copies, proof copies. Uh, so I'm, I'm literally just waiting for that to turn up before I hit uh, release on the pre-order. 
There is also a pre-order incentive where you can be entered in to win a, a signed hardcover, um, bookish goodies and, and things like that. And you'll also get access to the first three chapters. So I'll leave all the information in uh, the show notes about how to get involved with that. Couple of other updates. I was delighted to be interviewed on the Face Off Storytellers podcast with Shane Miller and Cassie Newell. And so I'm going to leave a link in the show notes to that. We were talking all about characters and character creation. And there's a bit of banter in there because there was a logistical communication error and uh, Shane wasn't able to make it. And so uh, we give Shane a bit of shit in the beginning of the episode, which is all fine because I love Shane and Cassie very, very much. So um, yeah, it was a fantastic episode really good chat and then the last thing that I wanted to tell you for the whole month of June my really good friend Jenna Moresi is doing a breast cancer research foundation fundraiser I have donated um, a prize or two and there are I think like 50 different prizes and goodies up for grabs so if you would like to find out how you can participate and how you can potentially win one of those mega mega goodies then you can by uh, visiting the link that I am going to pop into the show notes. So in personal news and updates then I have started writing book three. I am on a, a very tight timeline for this one so I started yesterday Monday <laughs> this week I started this week uh like I've I've had sort of 1.5 writing sessions um and I have to finish the first draft by June the 30th and I have to finish edits by July the 17th I think it's the 17th um because that's when we're going on holiday and so I need to hand it to my beta reader then uh so I am um trying very hard to remind myself that it's okay to go slow at the beginning because I always speed up but uh yeah I as you know I don't really enjoy going slowly I'm, I'm sort of getting back up to normal speed writing speed but uh, obviously because I have less wiggle room this time it's a little bit nervy not being as fast as I normally am I mean I'm more less as fast as I normally am but just not quite so <laughs> um so I think by tomorrow or by the end of play tomorrow I'll have a better grip of how fast this one's going to be written because the voices are slightly different it is like sinking into a new first in series which always takes a little bit um longer but I'm super excited because this series is the girl game series and so what I love about this last book is that it is set in a competition and so it is a game essentially and like it feels really nice and full circle that I'm getting to do that and of course it is giving me a metric fuck ton of competition energy pennies because I'm getting to write about competition what's fucking better <laughs> literally nothing so yeah I'm loving this I'm really excited by it and I'm really excited by the opening I um, showed two friends the opening paragraphs for each of the characters and the responses were good so I, I you can hear it in my voice but um, I'm really excited for this one I, it's also a little bit bittersweet because I do think this is going to be the last book in the series um, I, I will try to leave it open for the potential for more but actually it feels like the right time to end it. I, I only ever had the intention of doing three with a with a possible novella, but I don't think that I'm going to do the novella because it's moving from uh, female female to male male, and I don't know that I want to pollute what I'm doing just yet. Eventually, I would love to get to the point where I could write any type of relationship uh, under my brand and genre, but I think I have to 
stick in lane, as they say in this industry, and uh, just continue uh, for a while until I have more of a backlist. So I'm pretty sure then that after my holiday in July, I'm going to come back and most of August is going to be spent doing courses. I've got a lot of mini ones that, that should be um, very affordable, affordable, and then um, a couple of slightly longer ones, and they will all be released over the course of... I guess the next year and then come September I write book one in this new series and then come um, uh, October November I'll be finally getting to non-fiction uh, and actually funnily enough the difficulty is going to be choosing which bloody non-fiction I do because I've got so many ideas and I have tried to slot more time in next year for non-fiction because I have these ideas that I want to do uh, and I'm super excited for them so yeah not much longer to wait before I get more non-fiction things out and of course I'm going to have the courses too in the meantime so that should be all good. So I think most of my updates for the rest of this month are going to be like, yay, I'm launching book two. Yay, I'm writing book three. Like it is one hell of a mindfuck. I don't know how people rapid release and stay sane because holy moly, 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 I am <laughs> on the struggle bus trying to split my focus to do all of the things and really has helped to systematize so much um, of the back end like marketing stuff but fucking hell it, it like when I look at the people who are releasing like one to three books a month I'm just like I just like how 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 teach me because I'd love to do that <laughs> not that I could I don't think I could quite write that fast but anyway anyway I'm just chatting nonsense now the rebel of the week this week is Sinley Sinley says growing up I have always wanted to write but I didn't have much support when I began writing at a young age, my favourite stories were, of course, horror. As I was writing, my parents insisted on reading as I was going along to make sure I wasn't writing anything a child shouldn't. I was using pseudo curse words because I knew not to use actual curse words. But according to my parents, darn and crap uh, were bad too, even though we all said them. I had to edit out anything that was a possible replacement swear word. Then to my surprise, I was only allowed to write short sentences. They said that long sentences were too advanced for someone of my age. What? And I shouldn't be using them. <laughs> Even though I was already reading Michael Crichton and Anne Rice at 12 years old, there was no explanation for this except they thought that, that, that I was writing too ad at a too advanced level than they thought I should be. What the fuck? Then I decided to experiment uh, because I smelled stupid. In my novel, I made it where a girl main character intervened between another girl and her abusive boyfriend. So he became my slasher villain. In my experiments, I learned that even fake bad words were still bad and I couldn't use them. I couldn't write more advanced than a Nancy, Nancy Drew novel and yet violence against women I already don't want to read the end of the sentence. And yet violence against women, however, was apparently okie dokie and totally fine. Because according to them, the main character uh, was getting away from the killer, so that therefore it was fine. But her fighting back wasn't. Oh, my goodness. This is a tricky one to read. Unfortunately, after this, I more or less gave up on writing. I made a few attempts in my teenage years after a paper for school my mother really liked. I said I was leaning towards writing screenplays for movies, not books, and my parents insisted oh, that I write their ideas, not mine, because that was how Hollywood worked. The writers wrote what they were told and never wrote their own ideas. Oh my fucking God, I literally cannot with this. 
I never got very far, surprising nobody, because of course you can if your ideas are squashed, uh, before quitting each time I tried to write something. Fast forward through my life and a lot of bullshitting, bullshit putting others before myself, and now I'm almost 40. Two weeks after my mother passed over a year ago, I began to write again. Last week, after the end of Camp Nano, my first novel became beta ready. Not a horror, surprisingly, but a sapphic... Already I love this story. Uh, A sapphic romance with very spicy threesome and lesbian sex scenes. Take that, mum. For transparency's sake, I will say in my parents' older age that they got way more accepting and understanding and I still loved them in spite of all the issues. I got a divorce last year from my husband of 18 years. Uh, We were together uh, 20. It was amicable and I am happy for him and his new girlfriend. While I was with him, we played it safe and would never take any financial risks. But I now, now I am on my own. So I have taken a risk and started my own publishing company to self-publish my own books. I hope eventually to make it a self-publishing service uh, and help other authors. I might not have much in my bank right now, but damn it, my bills are paid and I am doing what I've been wanting to do since I was a child and I am still a fucking goth (laughs) I love that I have two pen names one for spicy romance and the other for my beloved horror maybe in the future they will join forces and write something truly nasty I love this I um I'm glad you clarified that you know things were okay between your parents I think you know most parents do try their best um but (laughs) you know we all end up a little bit fucked up in whatever way uh and so yeah I'm just it was I struggled to understand the thinking but like I'm so glad that you rebelled and you were able to then write what you wanted and that you are taking this forward in such an incredible way and the fact that you want to help other authors I just think it's fantastic um and the fact that it's a sapphic story you're writing well hey (laughs) that's always gonna be (laughs) loved by me all right I will say that we are in desperate need of stories you guys know that this is coming it happens every so often we are very close to having no stories so if you have been sat on the fence and you have a story or you think you have a story please just send it in anyway um we would love to have them we love these stories this is one of my favorite parts of the show uh so if you would like to be a rebel of the week please do send in your story it can be any kind of rebellion something big something small or something in between and hell it doesn't even need to be your rebellion but we do need them so email your rebel stories to Becca over on rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com. Hello and welcome to brand new patron Angel Ackerman. I really appreciate your support as do I appreciate all of my patron support. You guys genuinely help to keep the show running, be it buying equipment, be it, uh, you know, paying for my time, uh, the supports or the running of the show and the software and all of the systems. So thank you so much for helping to keep this show running. Not only do you help to do that, but you make me feel like my time is worthy and valuable and that I'm helping you guys um just you know even do your gardening (laughs) I know some of you listen while cooking and going for walks and it's really cool to know that so thank you so much uh, for everybody who just listens and supports the show I really do appreciate it If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes, as well as a ton of bonus content, then you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. Oh, and for those who have occasioned in and out of the masterclasses, our next one is going to be on romance, but romance, sorry, but as a secondary plot line. So for example, if you... um, I don't know, perhaps you write urban fantasy, but you have an, a, 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 pl- a subplot that is romance. We're going to be looking at how you do that. 
if I can say it out loud. This episode is sponsored by Pro Writing Aid, so I am going to play a word from Caitlin Duncan all about why you should be a Pro Writing Aid user. For me, Pro Writing Aid is a constant companion for every writing project. I dedicate two whole steps of my editing process for Pro Writing Aid to ensure that my books are at the level that my readers expect. I love how this style and grammar editor brings my writing to a whole other level, and I'm constantly improving my craft every time I use it. I also enjoy using the browser extension so I can ensure that even if I'm down to the deadline with an author newsletter or a very important email from my publishing network, that my communication is clear and effective every single time. And I also love how you get lifetime access to this program, which gives me the confidence that I don't have to worry about another subscription service. And the lifetime updates truly make this a worthwhile investment in my career and life. Caitlin is doing lots of systems work with parents, uh, predominantly mothers who are also uh, published authors. If you have one or more published books and you're a mum and you are struggling uh, with just the chaos of trying to manage both mumhood and also a writing business, then you may want to check out uh, what Caitlin is up to. So I'm going to leave a link in the show notes to that as well today. Lots of links in the show notes. All right, enough from me. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I'm joined by Megan Smythe. Megan is a copywriter and consultant for trailblazing entrepreneurs. After realizing three years into her pre-med degree that she was chasing someone else's idea of success, Megan started to take the leap and start her own business. One that combined her lifelong passion for writing with the science of sales psychology. She now uses her unique background to help other entrepreneurs find their voice, amplify their message, and create a lasting impact. Hello, and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. No, thank you for coming on. So, um, like, before we get into copywriting and kind of sales and how that can help uh, writers, can you tell everyone a little bit about your journey? Like, We've heard about the the pre-med, but go into more detail. Like, how did you come to be where you were? What what made you realize that you were doing a path that somebody else wanted for you rather than kind of like your chosen path? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think like probably a lot of your listeners, I loved reading and writing from the time I was a kid. It was all I ever wanted to do, but I never saw it as like a viable career option when I was, you know, growing up and in high school and it came time to choose university and everything. It never even crossed my mind that writing was something I could do as a job just because I grew up with that myth of like, you don't make any money writing. It's not a real career. You can't be an artist, all these things. And of course I know now that that's not true at all. <laughs> but when I was, you know, 16, 17, that seemed like like the practical choice. So I went really hard in the opposite direction and decided to do the most practical career, which was to become a doctor. So I'd always love science as well. And I did enjoy what I was studying, but I realized, you know, when I was going through these courses, like I did not share that same passion that a lot of my classmates had. Like I wasn't you know, excited to get out of bed at 8am and go to organic chemistry classes like some of my friends were. And I just had this moment of realizing like, you know, if I'm not enjoying this now, like obviously going through med school and becoming a doctor, it's a great career for some people, but it's a huge commitment. You really have to love what you do. It does become your whole life. 
life. And I sort of realized that was not, that wasn't my dream. I think it's, it's great for some people, but at the end of the day, all I really wanted to do still hadn't changed since I was a kid. And that was to read and write and travel and, you know, enjoy being creative and spending my time how I chose just to have that freedom in my life. I think so. There's something really important in what you said in that whilst we are not what we do as a day job um so much we spend so much of our lives working that it does become like an integral part of us and I think when we don't enjoy what we do that is so crippling to us and our like whole being and just being able to be happy and joyful and like live the life that we really want so like but it's also very brave to step away from what we have been led to believe is what's right for us so like it's a it's a huge leap of faith and yeah I think it's amazing that that you did that what just out of sheer nosiness and curiosity what do you like to read oh my gosh everything I'm a huge fantasy nerd um but I'm also a huge history nerd so you know historical fiction historical fantasy those are probably my my favorite things and his and just history books like nonfiction. I will read history textbooks for fun <laughs> Oh, I love it. What what kind yeah. of history? What era should I say? Or any? Is are you not are you oh, not fussy? I'm not fussy. I love the classics, but I have a soft spot for like good old medieval history. Um, and especially anything related to Scottish folklore, British folklore. That's my that's my Okay. Favorite. So my question to you is why are you not writing a his epic historical fantasy <laughs> set in Scotland? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I would love to. Well, you know, spoiler, I do still write like, you know, creative writing on the side. And the great thing about being an entrepreneur and having you know, this flexibility in my own business that I make my own schedule. So I do get to make time for those things. And that was a big part of, um, you know, deciding to start my own business as well. It was like, I will make my own hours. I can choose to spend my time how I want to. And if I want to work on, you know, a more fun creative project on the side, you know, maybe that's in my future one day. Who knows? So what, so what are you writing on the side? Can I ask? And have you thought about writing a nonfiction on copywriting? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Maybe one day I would love to. I love like teaching and talking about copywriting, especially to other like creative entrepreneurs um, and and writers as well. I think you've already got such a great skill set like coming into it. And so if you can marry the the writing side with the the sales and the marketing side, um, it's just magic, right? So I would love to one day. And in terms of what I'm writing on the side, oh my gosh, so many things. I'm I've always <laughs> I'm one of those people who juggles like five projects instead of just sticking to one. So I love it. I love it. Well, I hope that you push them over the finish line and just get them out into the world. Cause I, I genuinely feel like if we are dabbling, then like the world needs to hear our story. So you, you got to get it done. You got to get it done. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> one day. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You to be one of those people that says one day, but you know, <laughs> Well, you're already living it to a certain extent. So you just you just got to nudge it over that finish line. Um, okay, let's talk about copywriting. But let's start with something very basic uh, for sort of like entry level for everybody to, to get up to the same kind of understanding. What is copywriting? And how does that differ perhaps to what we writers do? And why is it important for us to study it? Yeah, so I want to ask, listeners to if you're maybe familiar with copywriting or you've never heard of it before maybe you, you like threw it into google when you saw this episode come up just pause those expectations for a second and set them aside because if you type copywriting into google you will get all these definitions about how copywriting is like marketing and sales in written form which is true but most of the definitions are centered on like persuasion it's writing to convince people to drive a sale 
And those aren't necessarily wrong, but I really hate that language around, you know, convincing and persuading people to buy something. So the way that I like to think of copywriting, the definition that I give people is it's writing that's meant to drive a specific action. So sometimes that's a sale. Sometimes it might be something like, you know, on a landing page or website, like sign up for my newsletter. That's still copywriting and we call that action conversion. So conversion copywriting is writing that is meant to drive an action. And in terms of why that's important for fiction authors or nonfiction authors is, you know, marketing your own books is increasingly important, whether you go the traditional publishing route or yourself publish just to be able to understand those things and how to talk about your books in a way that's going to resonate with potential readers and with an audience, you know, whether that's on social media, to your email list, just knowing how to to speak to readers in a way that's going to resonate with them. Because of course, you know, as a writer, you already have the writing part down, but understanding that the marketing and sales side is really important because if you do decide to start publishing, then of course, you're not just a writer anymore, you're an author. And there is a business side that comes with that as well. Absolutely. I think that's one of the hardest um, things to grapple with for a lot of writers is to understand that actually the minute that you publish a book, you are a business. And that is a very different mindset. You know, so many of us come to writing for the creativity, like not for, not for the business. But, you know, if you want to live off your writing and not do a day job, you've got to be a business person. Um, not that I'm going to be like super pushy about this. But the reason that I know that you need to write a, a book on copywriting is that you have a definition that's different to everybody else. So already you have a unique angle and perspective. <laughs> so I really yeah, think you should just like that. write the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be the first person I come to. Yeah, yeah you need to read it. <laughs> okay. Um, why? Let's talk about the fact, you know, I guess sort of a good segue of what, what I was just saying about the, the fact that we do struggle with um, sort of the salesy side. Why do you think that we are so resistant to selling? Um, and, and like, what tips do you have to help uh, writers reframe their kind of sales mindset? Yeah, this is such a such a great question. And it comes up all the time. I want your listeners to know, like not just writers and authors, like so many people feel that internal resistance to selling. I think it's because we're all so used to being sold to in a way that doesn't feel good, right? And we've all had that experience with like the pushy salesperson, like door to door, like buying a car, whatever it is. And we don't want to be that person. We don't want to like push our, our books, or our products on people. So that's totally normal. But like you said, if you're going to operate a business, then you do need to like work to overcome that. So the reframe that I like to offer people is that when I write copy, I like to think of it not just driving action, but driving empowered action. So how can we create a sales experience that feels good to you and to the people that you're selling to? And we can talk about how to do that specifically, but I know a lot of writers feel resistance to that, especially you know, a lot of writers are introverts, myself included, and we just don't want to put ourselves out there, right? It feels like scary and it's just like not what you signed up to do. You want to be in your writing cave at home. You don't have to talk to people, but unfortunately, like, you know, operating a business, um, you do have to put yourself out there a little bit. So, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I struggle with, with the people side so much. I think, I think, I think I've grown into the selling side purely based on the fact that I really want to live this life and you, I can't 
I would rather not have to do it, but you know, ultimately, you know, I'm not going to reach my goals unless I embrace the fact that I need to do this. And if I'm going to do that, then I want to do it to the best of my ability, which is why I was so interested to talk to you about this. Um, okay, so let's let's go into some really practical tips and tricks. What are some key marketing and copy activities that we need to get right for a successful digital launch? Yeah. So in terms of what I like to think of as the more introvert friendly sales strategies, I think email marketing is a great place. If you don't already have a newsletter, that's a great place to start. I know a lot of writers and authors sometimes feel resistance around social media. So I want to put that out there that you don't need to have a social media presence at all to sell your books. I've seen people do it successfully. I've seen all types of business do it successfully. So if that feels like really hard and uncomfortable, then don't force yourself to um, do something that you don't enjoy. I always like to say like the best marketing strategy is the one that feels good to you because that's the one you'll stick with long-term. Like you might be able to force yourself to show up on social media for a couple of weeks, but long-term you're not going to be consistent if you don't enjoy it. So start with something that feels good. There's no clearer example of that than somebody trying to do video type marketing who's not comfortable on video. Like, yes. I think that is the perfect example of like, don't do the thing that you don't enjoy because it will come yeah. across. Like, and also, like, this is a really big thing for me, like, that I've kind of experienced, learned over the last year is that because I've shifted genre and I'm now writing something that I find extremely enjoyable to write, it's making the marketing easier because I'm yeah. enjoying the yes. thing that I've created, which then, you know, it's it's just so much easier to talk about. Um, and yeah, and do those things because it, it the whole experience was joyful. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, that's a great point. And I want to offer people who are still feeling that like hesitancy and resistance around sales. Another reframe for you is to think of sales as an exchange of enthusiasm. So you're excited to talk about your book, your product, whatever it is you've created, and people are excited to buy from you. And if you have a hard time believing that, just think about how you, how excited you feel. Like when your favorite author comes out with a new book, like you can't wait to buy it. You're so excited to go like to the bookstore to get signed copies, like whatever it is, like people are excited to read your books, to buy your products. So just keep that in mind. And then, yeah, like I said, think of it as a shared enthusiasm. Yeah, I love that. And uh, so funny that you're talking about this because that was exactly my experience is I kind of, the book that I wrote before this last one that I launched flopped really badly. And, and I genuinely think that a lot of that was to do with the fact that I, it wasn't a joyful experience. It was really hard to write the book. And, you know, I, that then came across in the marketing. Um, whereas this last one, oh my goodness me, it was just like full of, in fact, and the sequel that I've just finished, well, I am, I've got five scenes left to edit. Um, but that has also been super joyful. And I'm now at the point where I'm really proud of this second one. And I can't wait to start talking about it because I kept it all like really under wraps. So like, yeah, that, but, but enthusiasm, this, sorry, I'm going so tangentially off the point, but the point is, is that that joy becomes like parasitic almost. It's like a virus that spreads everywhere, but like a really good virus. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, speaking to my my medical background with the parasite analogy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so funny. It is true, though. I think, you know, people can feel that energy that you bring to the conversation. Um, like, you know, being on a podcast or something, I think people can hear them like, I'm so excited to talk to you about sales and copywriting. Like, <laughs> there's just genuine excitement there, right? Yeah. And if you feel that way, like, hopefully you feel that way about the books you're putting out into the world as well. And people will feel that on the other side. It's almost like you should write a book about this. <laughs> almost as if, yeah. yeah I know. 
I don't know if anyone's ever said that to you. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's let's kind of start with the basics. Where should we start with copywriting? Like what what are some tweaks that we could make to the things that we do? Um, yeah, so I'm gonna so that's kind of the first question. And then the, the kind of flip side of that is like what do people get wrong? But if we start with kind of mm-hmm. give me some basics, like what should writers start changing or or, or putting into action? Absolutely. So the first thing I want to say is that as writers, you're already you know predispositioned with this great skill set. And there will be a lot of overlap between writing in a way that like captures the attention and draws a reader into a story and good copywriting. Storytelling is powerful in your marketing as well. The only difference is, you know, you might be talking about your books or yourself and your your business as an author, as opposed to characters in a story. So all those things you learn about drawing people into a scene, capturing attention from page one, that goes into writing hooks and writing headlines, writing email subject lines. You know, how can we draw the reader in with curiosity, things like that. There's a huge overlap there. Um, you know, think of setting the scene with the five senses, like visual, vivid descriptions, all of those things come in handy as well. And then in terms of like, you know, things that you know, if you're writing fiction, you may not have learned that translate to copywriting is the more like sales side of things. So how can we convert people from just like reading and enjoying what they're reading to actually, you know, clicking the buy button or taking the next step, whatever that looks like. Okay. And so talk to me about the sales psychology, because I mean, I studied psychology, but I did not study sales psychology. So like, what what give me kind of like a 101 basic kind of intro to sales psychology and some of the things that we should tweak or change like in our um uh, either our blurbs or our emails or kind of yeah yep so the very first thing i like to tell people is that it's not about you as the writer or the author and it sounds a bit harsh but it it's true it's always about the reader and that is in a broad sense but also literally in that what the way you're writing should be very you focused so instead of saying you know i did this my book is about this and this is why you should read it and you know here are my credentials and accolades and all the things flip it around and focus on the person on the other side of the screen who's actually going to be reading that right sometimes we forget there's a human being there um, and you want to speak directly to them so here's why you're going to love this book you know if you love these other similar things then you'll really love this so just speaking directly to them building that like human connection and along those same lines like really leading with empathy and like putting yourself in the reader's shoes like how is buying this book going to create a positive experience for them yeah i love that like one of the things that i started saying is I sort of started doing this in a in a particular presentation that I give um but is making that that clarification between writing and marketing and the writing is all about you as the writer and your art and but if you want to sell the book then the selling and the marketing is all about the reader (laughs) and I think like that's a really good way to draw a line under it and like if you know because we all get precious over our words and so like you can do that like feel empowered to be precious over your words but once you finish the book and it's been edited you don't get to be precious anymore (laughs) like you gotta switch the marketing brain on um, okay, so then flip that and tell me some of the things that people get wrong. Like what are, I guess, like the top three or give me a couple of things that you see people doing and, and getting wrong with their um, copy. Yeah. So I would say, you know, number one thing is what we just talked about is that, you know, making not making that switch between, you know, the, the writing phase, which is about you and then the marketing phase, which is about the reader. 
Um, another thing is, you know, where in the kind of buyer's journey are is your audience? Like, what kind of headspace are they in? Are they actively looking for something to buy? Or like, if you, let's say you're a debut offer, author and people don't know like your name yet, they're not familiar with your like writing style and your books or whatever, you may need to do a little bit more like work to kind of like build that trust and help them become familiar with, with your brand as an author, really. Um, you know, that is what it is. It's your personal brand and you want people, you should do some work up front to like build brand awareness is what we call it. And so they can get to know kind of your style. And if this is the type of thing they're going to enjoy reading and there's different ways you can do that in terms of, you know, sales tactics, a great way is social proof. So like sharing reviews, if you have them, um, especially for new authors, that's important because if they haven't read your other books, then you know, they're kind of taking a leap of faith to buy from you that first time. So you want to think, how can we make this like a no brainer decision for them? And one way to do that is with reviews. Um, maybe you're offering some type of like incentive or discount when the book first comes out, like getting people excited, promotions, that type of thing. So think about, you know, all the reasons why someone might not buy your book and then think, how can we overcome those strategically? Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm sure there's an actual term for that um the the kind of thinking up the reasons that people would get blocked or say no and then mm -hmm. coming up with it like and actively marketing yes. the reasons what I, I can't yeah. think what the term risk is reversal is what we there call we go. it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> reduce the risk yeah, yeah of them buying for you and yeah. it's especially you know books maybe you know if someone loves books like there's not a ton of resistance. I know, like, even if I haven't read books before, a lot of times I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's $10, I'm still excited to buy. But let's say if you're selling like a digital course or a larger product or something like that, there might be that hesitation. And so that's where you can pull out some of those strategies, uh, like, you know, money back guarantee or like 30 day, like free trial, those things like that. Those are all examples of how you can reduce the risk for someone to buy from you. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. And you talked about kind of like gaining trust and stuff. And there's like a really, there's a, there's a very key concept that marketers use, which is um, no like, and trust. So could you explain to the um, writers listening, like what is no like, and trust and how, what does that look like for us as business people who are also creative? Yeah, well, no like and trust is exactly what it sounds like. It's, you know, getting your re your audience to know you as a person, as a brand and author. And then hopefully the more they get to know you, the more they will like and trust you. So this is sort of, you know, the journey that they're on on the opposite side of your, you know, your business marketing ecosystem, if you will. So like what kind of headspace, what kind of mindset are they in? Do they know you yet or do they like you? And then once they start to trust you, that's when you will start to see conversions and sales. In terms of how to actually like apply that to your marketing, it does come down to, like we talked about earlier, letting people in, like let your readers get to know you. These are people who want to hear from you. And those small touches of humanity, I guess you could say, are what build that human connection. So you don't have to share like, you know, your darkest secrets and life story, but just like let your readers in, show them those small snippets of daily life, whether that's like on your Instagram stories or in your newsletter, you can give a quick update. Um, one of my favorite authors always shares like her uh, personal updates, even though she keeps it super vague. Like she's not, you know, sharing her personal life, but she'd be like, oh, we bought a house and we're, we're renovating or we adopted a cat or whatever it is. And those things like make me feel like I really Really know her as a person and I'm always like so excited when an email from her lands in my inbox that's the feeling you want to create oh I love that I love that um 
Uh, and there are, like, you know, it's funny because you say that and actually there are a couple. So I don't subscribe very often now. Um, but when it's somebody I'm like really in, like I really, they're an auto buy, you know, that kind of, oh, they've got a new book, don't care what it is, I'm going to buy it anyway. Like then I will open every single one of their email. And I love when there are those little snippets. Like, And it's exactly like you say, like for those people who um, are quite private people, you don't have to share every element of of your life you could you know if you if you just have a hobby that you really like like woodwalking like walking in forests or whatever you can just share pictures of your feet in the forest or you know like with big chunky walking boots on or something you don't even have to share your face like there are lots of ways to let people know um or to let people in like you say and you know share how you feel about those things and that's like that's what fosters connection I think um or be like me and swear loads and <laughs> Just, just and people relate to it. Secrets. It's it's true though. The more of your like real personality you share, some people are afraid to really like show up as themselves online because you know there's always that fear of criticism or like you know that you're going to isolate certain segments of your audience. I say just lean into it, be yourself. Because the more you are yourself, the more you will attract the right people into your audience and into your readership. And those people that don't vibe with you swearing all the time or whatever it is, like good, you don't want those people in your audience anyway. That's okay. I genuinely think it is the hardest and most brave journey that we can go on to lean into ourselves because our society is built on judgment and stigma and conformity and expectations. And they weigh heavy on like each one of us. And like, it doesn't it doesn't matter even if like your parents were super like loving and accepting our society is built on the foundations of expectation and like that is why it is so hard and i genuinely feel like so many indie authors are all on this journey together of like discovering who we are and leaning into that and it's it is that moment and that tipping point when you do figure that out without any anyone's expectations kind of like on you that you then do start to realize, well, actually I don't sound like that. I sound like this. And then you start to put that into your work and into your emails and into your copy and your blurb. And it's exactly what you're saying. Like we do start to then bring those people who are most like us towards us. And that is when success comes. So I love that so much. Um, Okay. So let's talk about a sales funnel. Um, What is a sales funnel and how do we make one that converts? (laughs) (laughs) Great question. Yeah. So the sales funnel is, I mean, there's so many different types of funnels and different, you know, ways you can think of it. The most simple way or the most basic funnel is you need some sort of traffic source to bring people into your audience. So maybe that's social media, maybe that's, you know, podcast interviews, whatever it is that that's how you're bringing new readers and new people into kind of your sphere of influence, if you will. And then the middle of the funnel is where people start to build that known like trust factor. So that maybe they're on your email list, they've bought a book or two, they're like already in your community and they're sort of being nurtured by you and warmed up. They're in the middle of the funnel. And then the final point is conversion or a sale. So that's when they actively become a customer and hopefully a repeat customer. 
Fantastic. And so like, are there any kind of wording or phrases that we can use to like get that conversion? And that could be like either on the sales page, um, like for, for our books, or it could be like at the back of our books, maybe for like email sign up or anything. Like what are some kind of phrases that help to actually pull people over that line? Yeah, there are, I mean, you can Google a list of like power words and there are, there are hundreds. The word it's, surprising how basic some of the words are that really do make a difference. Like something like now, the word just to create urgency. And the one thing I would say when it comes to we call these your call to action. So that's, you know, sign up for my email list, buy the book. Those are calls to action. That's like the final point of conversion. And the wording there is really important. But I would say rather than, you know, focusing on specific words, the one thing I would say is just be really, really clear, like crystal clear what people are going to get when they click the shiny button or whatever it is, what's going to happen next. Because something I see all the time is like, you know, click here for more details or like join now. It's just very vague. And again, that can sometimes create hesitancy in the person reading it. They don't know what to expect. And it sounds like a very basic thing, but that can actually stop people from taking that next step. Um, So think about, again, why should they take this next step with you? Is there some sort of um, incentive? Like maybe your book is on sale. Maybe it's like a limited time offer, whatever it is. How can you create that urgency? And ask yourself, not just like, why should they buy from me? But why should they buy right now in this specific moment? Because if you don't think about that, there's always the risk of they're like, oh, well, I'll come back to this. I'll put it on my TBR list and like, you know, save it on Amazon and revisit it in six months. So think about why should they buy from you right now? And how can you get them like so excited and so hyped up <laughs> to take that next step that it just becomes a no-brainer decision yeah yeah I love that I um I I get sucked in by like get it now all the time like I'm like oh yeah Yeah. I want it now I want it now click yeah the word now really works yeah yeah it really does um okay so let's talk about um email marketing what are kind of uh, some of your tips or advice for improving our email marketing systems Yes. So I would say one, if you haven't started email marketing, get on that. That's step one in terms of like setting up the basics. So just to walk through it for anyone who's maybe like been hesitant on this or isn't sure where to start. The first things you need will be like an email service provider. There's lots out there like MailChimp, ConvertKit, that type of thing. Then you'll need a landing page or somewhere on your website to send people so they can opt in. And again, you want to be thinking about the copy on that page. So why should someone opt in to hear from you? Like what's in it for them? Are they going to get like, you know, exclusive updates? Do you maybe share uh, like snippets of your personal life? Some authors share writing tips because a lot of readers are also writers, things like that. So think about why should they opt in from you and kind of optimize that for conversion. And then you want to ideally send people through some sort of welcome sequence. So the first couple emails from you are going to be like welcome people, welcoming people into your community, kind of setting the stage for what to expect going forward. And it doesn't have to be super long for authors. I'd say like, you know, one, two emails is fine, but you do want to be intentional about setting expectations. So how often are they going to hear from you? What type of content are you going to send them? And then on the other side of that, that means you need to be strategic and intentional about, you know, you really need to sit down and think through those questions. What am I going to send my list? How often am I going to email them? What can they expect from me? What type of you know environment and community do I want to set up? Because you want to think about those long-term goals so that you're not just like sending your list an email and saying, hey, I have a new book. It's coming out. Buy it now. Like, well, they haven't heard from you in three to four months. And they're kind of like, who is this again? And like, why is she in my inbox? So the more intentional you are upfront about creating 
a relationship with your email subscribers, the more you will see that pay off in the long run. Yeah, I love that. I um, really changed my marketing, uh, email marketing about a year and a quarter ago. I don't know, I can't remember, last January anyway. And um, I had sort of, I had made emails a big deal in my head and put loads of pressure on them and was becoming very, very, very resistant to doing them. Now, one of the things that I know is that consistency is really great. And I was really quite consistent last year, but um, also I'm extremely busy and I can't always be consistent. So what I have tried to do is always email like, like when it's a joyful experience. So like I've just come back from like a crazy whirlwind 36 hours and I now have inspiration for a story to tell in my email. So I know that this, that will come across better than me trying to force the content, even though I know that ideally and in an ideal world, I do try and be consistent, but I can't always, you know, I missed it Friday, I missed it two Fridays for various reasons. But the other thing that I did was that I, as you were saying at the beginning, I lent into being me. And um, so now in my emails, I just tell stupid fucking stories about my life. <laughs> you know, the stupid shit I do, or the realizations or the lesson that I've learned or something that I've, you know, had an epiphany about. And that really helps to like humanize and also make it very easy to find things to talk about. Um, and, you know, I get way more emails back from readers now commenting on it because it's not like this stuffy email where I'm trying to, I don't know, be somebody that I'm not. So yeah, like I just, everything that you're saying is really resonating yeah. with, with me. So yeah, I, I yeah. Yeah. Love Let it. me just say, yeah, from a marketing perspective, you are doing it right. That is, <laughs> that is email marketing done well for consistency. I mean, of course, like, you know, you want to be consistent in the long run and not yeah. sporadically every six months, but you know, right when you are inspired to keep a backlog, like I always have like a very chaotic, like memo on my phone of story ideas and things like that. So you can go uh, back to inspiration. That's it. That's a tip I get people as well. Yeah. That's a <laughs> yeah. really good idea. I you never sit down and I'm like, Oh, I cannot wait to write this, this email. How, how often are we really feeling you yeah. know, inspired, but I'll think back and think, Oh, well that experience, you know, <laughs> this is a stupid example, but that experience at Trader Joe's the other weekend, I was going to write about that. And I would have forgotten if I didn't, you know, write that in my phone to come back to later. I, I just, I can't believe that I have not thought of doing that because how many fucking notebooks do I have full of stupid fucking snippets and dialogue and story ideas for yes. stories? And yeah. yet I'm not treating like my emails the same, even though I am now telling stories in my emails. Like, <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> Yeah. And what you said to storytelling is the most powerful way to build a connection with your email community. And it's so underrated. Like as writers, we don't think of that, right? I but think I have to send a marketing email. No, just tell a story. Yeah, <laughs> just tell like, a story. Like, and literally in my head, like I was sat on the train and I, and I was like, oh, I've just come up with an idea. And I was like, I know I'm, and I'm literally going to start the email. I'm going to tell you a story that has nothing to do with writing I love that. That is going to tell you everything about writing. Like, yep. and that, like, that, is, I mean, I, I will burn it better than that, but I, I have had like no sleep. No, that's, I will that's burn it better. But, but that's you know, the formula for right? a high converting or, you know, trust building email is that you tell a story and, you know, just off the cuff, people read it and they're like, well, what does this have anything to do with like writing or being an author? But you kind of flip it on its head, you know, maybe like partway through and all of a sudden it's got this really important, valuable lesson for whoever's reading it. 
Yeah, exactly. But like, and and that's what you what you were saying about like storytelling as well. It's just so silly that for some reason, well, I personally made e- email marketing in, into such like a big scary deal. And actually, um, I spend every day telling stories. Why 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 was I not doing that in email? So yeah, like I think it's and and they don't have to be big massive epic emails. They can just be small. Like look at Seth Godin. He sometimes just writes like three sentences in his emails, and he's got one of the biggest mailing lists in the world. So you know, doesn't doesn't have to be like a big arduous thing. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about um 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 um, um social media. Yes. How can <laughs> like so social media is a difficult one, isn't it? Because there are. There's there's kind of the selling aspect of like trying to get sales via social media. And then there's the platform building aspect of social media. So like, when is it a good time to do copywriting in like our social media captions? Like, what would that look like? And how do we do it without being inauthentic? Yes. So social media, when you think about that sales funnel, social media is like the top of the funnel. It is about more so building your platform than necessarily directly creating sales. Hopefully some of those people will eventually buy from you and become readers, but it's more about building that no like trust factor with your audience. And so the same principles we talked about for writing copy on a landing page and in emails, they apply here as well. You can definitely tell stories on social media. You can uh, create urgency when those promotions and sales and things do come up. And same thing as well, you want to focus on providing value to your audience rather than just selling to them all the time. And that can look like a ton of different things. It can be sharing stories and building that personal connection. It could be sharing writing tips or like behind the scenes. Social media is a great place to share kind of behind the scenes snippets of what you're working on, what your um what your writing process is like maybe like how your home office is organized if you feel open to sharing that sort of thing or you know what are you reading recently um things like that that really build connection with people i think that's the way to go about it in a way that feels authentic is don't feel like you have to share like a certain type of content there's no formula if you start looking into like social media marketing you'll see all this stuff about content pillars and the right ratio of like sales posts to like other types of posts like i would say like forget the formulas that's the only way you're going to show up in a way that feels authentic and otherwise you're going to feel very boxed in and like no matter what you're doing you're doing it wrong um, and i can say this from experience you know i also like have social media as a business owner and it is it can be an experience, you know, trying to balance all those different things. And the best way to do it is to just get out there and see what feels good to you. And that comes from, you know, experience. If something feels kind of like gross when you're posting it, that's a sign to not post it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love that. Okay. And one last question before I ask you the ultimate podcast question. Um, If you could get writers to do one thing differently, what would it be? Oh, this is such a good question. I would say start your email list if you haven't already. <laughs> I really I really want to drive that home. And if you do have an email list, think about how you can more consistently provide value to people because email marketing is so neglected in a lot of the online space and people feel pressured to be on social media, be on all the platforms. But email is where people will actually buy from you. No one is buying something from a social media caption, right? Like email and your landing pages for your books or Amazon, wherever you're sending people from the email, that's where people are actually converting and buying something. So really, really focus on email. And the other great thing is if you feel like 
you know, social media isn't your thing necessarily, then great. Take that pressure off yourself. Find a platform that you really enjoy and find a way to show up on email that feels good to you. Because if you don't have fun, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. Like if you're not having fun writing the emails, people aren't going to enjoy reading them. So find a way to make it fun for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, love it. Joy. That is literally my word for the year is is to find joy in everything. I Um, love that. Okay, this is the Rebel Author Podcast. So tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. Oh man, I I was thinking about this question before the interview and I think I have to go with when I when I made the decision not to pursue med school. I did it in like the most <laughs> dramatic way possible in that too (laughs) which is very on brand for me um to set the scene here it was my second year of university and all my friends and I were getting ready to write the MCAT like the med school admissions test and this we were all prepping for it in advance and we're thinking like we're going to buy these courses get all the books and study and the closer it got to that date and everyone around me was like preparing for this I just felt like oh my God, I'm going to have to give up my whole summer. I'm not going to be able to travel, which I really want to do. I It's going to be really difficult. I was working like a full-time job and a part-time job in the evenings. I was like, I'm going to have no free time. My life is going to be so miserable. And I thought, I just don't want to write this test. And then on the heels of that came the other realization. Oh my God, I don't want this to be my life <laughs> for the next you know, 40 years. And so instead of just deciding not to write the test, what I did was I just completely bailed and I booked a ticket to Thailand. Thailand. And I spent three months backpacking around Southeast Asia with my sister. And I just was like, nope, that's it. I I did. I did go back to school and finish my degree, but I spent the whole summer in Asia. And I was like, yeah, I am. I'm never going back. This is, this is great. And that was my, that was my big epiphany moment. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that. That is one hell of a rebellion. I, I love it, but Hey, it's led you to where you are. So, you know, and, yeah, and you seem very joyful. It. So it was obviously yeah. the right decision. Yeah, for sure. The, the realization on the trip is like, all I want to do is is write and do my own thing. So I, it got me here eventually. It was it was stressful in the meantime, but I wouldn't change yeah. it now at all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Amazing. Okay. Well, tell everyone a little bit about your services and where they can find you and anything else that you would like to add. Yeah. So the best place to find me is on my website, megansmyth.com. It's M-E-G-A-N-S-M-Y-T-H. And you can check out all my services there. I do offer email marketing if that's something you want support with, both in like a done for you, like I'll write your emails for you capacity, all in your own brand voice, of course. But some people just want to just want to hand that off and want nothing to do with it, which is fair. You'd rather spend your time working on fun projects. And I also offer consulting for people that, you know, just kind of want that mentorship and like, how do I actually set up these email marketing systems? What do I send? How often do I send it? And so that's like a done with you type of offer. And on my website as well, I've got a free conversion cheat sheet. So if you want to take all these lessons and strategies and start putting them into practice in your business, that's where I would recommend you start. And you can download that for free on my website as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time, Zen. I'll make sure those links are in the show notes as well. Um, And of course, a gigantic thank you to all of the show's listeners and all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to Megan Smythe. And this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'm joined by James Blatch from the self-publishing formula and podcast. And we will be talking all about the lessons that he has learned from writing and completing his first series. So join me next week for that. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. 
And when you have a moment, please leave a review. 